Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings.
front, you know, and, and being a kid in the 60s, and, and I remember the first time I ever heard the song yesterday. It was during, it was during a, um, uh, a recess, and somebody had one of those little transistors and had the station on. First time I ever heard yesterday, and I knew right then that was, that was important listening to that. So, you know, I have a great, you know, respect and, and, and memories of AM radio. And unfortunately, you know, this is just a change of times because because a lot of the, the, the AM style uh, shows that are on are, are moving to podcasts now. You have all your right-wing podcasts. They're, they're leaving radio. And, of course, they're serious, which is all satellite now. So you've got satellite FM and AM. Yeah, and AM you is use losing. the AM radio to listen to uh, our beloved madman, Art Bell. Yeah. You know, or, or even back in the day, uh, um, Wolf and Jack had a show that oh, was yeah. all on AM. You know? Before he came on the air, boys and girls, People thought that he was this crazy motherfucker running a radio station out of Mexico. In a way, him appearing in American Graffiti killed his career. Well, actually, it it, it helped him a lot, too, in in terms of, of that's when he got, that's when he really got syndicated. Too, of course, he moved to FM at that point. Mhm. And, and and another one that you can I think for for AM radio is is Dr. Demento. When yeah, AM radio in the, go ahead. Well, it's AM radio in the 70s, man. You know, that's that's what it was. And and and, and it wasn't until the mid 70s to late 70s that you really got the FM stations. But if you were in the hinterland if you were in a place like Bradford, Pennsylvania, 90 miles from Buffalo, you didn't get the friggin' FM signals. So you got whatever was in Bradford or whatever was in Kane. Kane had a local station. You know, that's the way it was up in that area in northwest PA. Well, the FM radio, AM radios here when I was a kid, uh, I would have to listen to it if I wanted to listen to KCK some Top 40. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Top 40 was a big one on AM. KCK some. And it uh, was the divide because, like I said, the, going back to uh, George Carlin's AM FM, the AM was the clean side of the radio. And AFMs were than dirty hard rockers, and that dirty no, I, rock music was played. You know, and, and the other thing I want to bring up too is that okay, so I grew up a lot of my time in Pittsburgh. All the sports yeah. program. If you were if you were a Steelers fan, if you were a a um, if you were a, uh, a Pirates fan. Even if you were a Pittsburgh Condors fan in the ABA, guess where you went to? You went to WTAA, AEFM, uh, AM. You went to different AM stations, and that's where your sports talk was. I remember pretty uh, true. when my dad, granddad, would listen to the Reds 
on the weak signal on the AM radio, he would sit outside on the porch and whittle wood and listen to the guy who's uh, the voice of the red. Mm-hmm. You know what? We used to go to the games. My dad still had a radio, and he listened to the games on the radio so we could get the play-by-play and understand what was going on. Yeah, well, that's the way it was with UT and John Ward. People would yeah. watch the game on the TV, but they'd have the radio on so they could hear John Ward's voice. Right. You know, and we do the same thing with Bob Prince and, and Pittsburgh or Myron Cope, you know, for the Steelers. Absolutely. My yeah. dad would do that if it was on, on TV. And he'd have the radio on and turn the TV down so we'd get the Pittsburgh announcers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real shame. It, you know, it's not, I'm I'm surprised they haven't done it before. But the, that that it's happening now and it didn't happen five years ago. No matter what, with this happening, it's going to hurt AM radio really, really hard. This is not a good sign. No, but yeah, and uh, for a while before they got the low low band FM station, uh, the drive-in during their last big gasp in the eighties would use AM radio stations. So during the testing era of no speakers, yeah. You know, another thing, too, is if you're going on, even these days, if you're going on the road, you're on a highway or or that, you can hit this AM signal that they tell you to see if there's any uh, traffic or things like that. Oh, yeah, Maybe we that's got no that long- here, you know, the traffic warning. Right. You know, I, I think with GPS and with everything else now, that might be going downhill, too, but... I yeah. remember that strongly. And we were too poor to get the eight tracks. Well, we had some blank ones, but we were each given the designated. So we would, like, uh, record crap off the radio and make our own mixes or oh, yeah. cassettes. Or otherwise, you had to stock, even when you were making your mixtapes, you had to stock the radio and play and hope to God that the station with the best signal would play your song that you were looking for. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and did you notice in that song, Everclear, the tribute to Joe's Garage? Yes, I did. Yeah, that voice. Turn it down. Down. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great choice of song, by the way. That was excellent. Yeah. But yeah, you had if you want to listen to music back then, you either did that or you had to carry around the boombox or the large transistor radio. <laughs> Or as they call them, beach radios. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I used to have one of those at the store. 
and, and by that time you could get the Buffalo Station, where I had uh, it was also a CD player at that point. So yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know many people, and those are very expensive. The beach record players that you could take with you. Yeah, you didn't run across those too often. You know, I had a portable uh, LP, you know, record player, but it was it was one of those plastic ones when you were a kid, you know? Yeah, we all had one of those cheap record players when we were kids. Yeah, I love those. That was one of the first times you're getting to be a big kid or an adult is that you got your own record player. Absolutely. That means they recognize you had musical taste. Yep. I got I got I got mine when I was what probably like six or seven years old. But yeah. I could only play what they told me to play. So not until I was older could I like piss off my parents and play something else. Yeah, well that was the fu- that's one of the funny and truest scenes about uh almost famous is where he uh found his sister's record stash when she moved out. Yep. He said, uh-huh. listen, this will open your mind. And the last word was, hide this from mom. <laughs> yep. I had a couple of yeah. those albums. That was back in the days when music could be dirty. And not dirty as in just, hey, motherfucker, fuck you, fuck you. But scary ideas. That's why the Zappas uh, were only in it for the money. The parents didn't like it because it showed the scary ideas about suburbia. Well, Well, you talk about that. I have to go back to a friend of mine when we were in Pittsburgh, uh, North Hills, Mm. who uh, parents had... had, uh, Lenny Bruce albums. They'd be out of the, they'd be out of the house, and we'd play the Lenny Bruce album. I remember that very, yeah. very strong. Under the counter albums. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Thank um, you, Radio AM and FM, for all the memories you gave us when. Uh, us 70s and 80s kids were little nuggets. And, uh, of course, the AM stations drifted over to college stations because they could have them on the low band and it would only play on the... You could only hear it on the campus unless you... That was exactly what we did at UPB. When I ran the radio station, we were yeah. on cable, and we were on, on uh, I think we were on 58 on yeah. the AM, something well, like that. Let me finish. Or, oh, go ahead. But you, but if you had, knew the right time of night when the wind was blowing right and everything was calm and clear in the sky, you could pick up some of those college stations. The UT campus was like 40 minutes away. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Uh, yeah, they would teach, yeah, the AM repping and the college radio stations. Hell, it wasn't until the, wasn't it the, yeah, the 90s is when they acknowledged college radio as its own freaking genre. Yeah, yeah, not even in the 80s, because I was in New York in the 80s, and, and WFMU was like, I, I listened to FMU all the fucking time. Yeah, do you remember that? Uh, and that's one of the great documentaries that you can get. Is uh, and Carl watched it too. At I recommended is that documentary on uh, on FMU. Yeah, FMU. And how another they ran it out. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just, another station we've talked about too is the one on Long Island, WLIR. Fantastic. Yeah. Station. And what's funny is KMU was run out of an old greenhouse on top of the radio station building where they could sneak up there because the door wouldn't close good. And they yeah. would smuggle equipment up there and just, you know. Yep. They're still going strong, though. You can run them on, uh, you can find them on, on the computer. Just go WFMU. Yeah. And you'll find them. You know, it's Google. Yeah, but it, like I, it's like the night flight when you go to the go to the streaming channel or something. It ain't the same. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. Things have changed, unfortunately. But, you know, we lived through some good times. And AM oh, radio yeah. was certainly right. Absolutely. And don't forget, enjoy your... I'm not one of those that say, well, things were better back then. No, they were different, and we learned to survive in different ways. Uh, Absolutely. The biggest problem I see nowadays, and us adults are bitten in the ass with it, too, is that there's so much choice that we are oversaturated by streaming, so we don't think nothing about watching five minutes of a movie, and if it doesn't hook us, eh, we're moving on. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm in that position, too, now. And I, I try to fight it every every time I can. But I'm losing. Yeah. Well, some well, you do need a great opening to keep someone there while you set up the plot. Mhm. Yep. It's like an album. It's like the albums they would always have in the seventies. They would always have that great opening riff, or just come barreling out of the gates with a great opening song. Mhm. You know, even even the, the 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 album design too was part of that too. Oh God, yeah. You okay, see a great and, album cover, and it's like, oh, yeah. I gotta listen to this. Yeah, yeah, and I've done that before. The reason we're doing uh, trailers tonight, it, well, at the old Starlight, it's Thursday, and we really don't kick in the gear until movies until next week. 
so we're just going to go through a whole batch of trailers. I mean, a big lot of trailers for the rest of the show. Well, and I'm looking forward to this because uh, I did see the first one. So I did see what the first one was. But yeah. I like these because I don't, I don't know what the hell's going on. And that's always good because I like to react. Yeah. Especially if it's for a movie you like that the trailer is very rare. Right. So. Which one? Go yep. to Grindhouse Drive-In Movie Trailers from the 1967, the 1960s, 1970s compilation. 2023, number one. Yeah. And just to repeat that, that's Grindhouse slash Drive-In with a hyphen. Movie trailers from the 1960s hyphen 1970s compilation 2023 number one. Yeah. And pause it until you get set up. Okay. I'm already set up and I see October is National Movie Month. Okay, welcome back. Now that you pause and set everything up, and here we go in five, four, three, two, one, go. Yeah, October is National Movie Month. What that is was, you know, creating something. To get people into the theaters when the drive-in season and the summer season had closed. As long as they get their asses in the seat. Yeah. And there's the infamous Jim Rack. Yeah, Jim Rack. Uh, Oh, and I did check it out, Carl. The M rating lasted less than a year. Yeah, it did. And they changed M to PG. Right. Imagine back then... If you was 16, Carl, you could have gone seen a porno. <laughs> well, that was before, that was really before that uh, they, uh, uh, the XXX came in and, and, and subverted the idea of an X rating. X rating was supposed to be adult, but not pornographic. Yeah. Oh, this is why, if we miss this right here, we'd be pissed. Man, we got to get there early. Why? We got to watch the coming attractions, see what's coming soon. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This must be a Bugatti's Western. This is a... There's a lot of good people in this, including Lee Van Cleef and Jim Brown. Oh, shit. Uh, is this uh, Uzuma's Raid? No, this is El Condor. El Condor. El Con- oh, yeah. This one is fun. I don't that know this one. That was always 
Yeah, it's fun, but it's another one of those where they tried to make uh, Jim Brown into a, you know, a star by uh, stacking odds, you know, stacking it with him. Right. That was the way they do it. They put the guy they wanted to be a star with a whole bunch of other stars. Right. And Lee Van Cleef. Yeah, Lee Van Cleef is our... Go ahead. When I saw this, I thought this was 99 Guns. But no, it's all, this one I do not know. Yeah, 99 Guns had uh, Burt Reynolds. Oh. But... By then, Lee Van Cleef was a legend for the good, the bad, and the ugly, the big gun down, the big showdown. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This one was one of the smaller ones because, like I said, uh, Jim Brown was another one of those. They tried to Sydney Portier him. Right. Patrick O'Neill. Yeah, Patrick O'Neill. Yeah, the bam, ba bam, bam. They wouldn't use the word damn nowadays in trailers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always had to have the sexy woman. Oh, absolutely. Only difference is is in Jim Brown movies, uh, he was the one who got her. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Marianna Hill, she was in a number of uh, spaghetti westerns. Yeah. Screenplay by who? Some, uh, you ever heard of Larry Cohen? Yeah. Yeah. He wrote that. Oh, my God. I have to see it then. A Cohen you haven't known? No. That's us nowadays after we eat chili, folks. Me more than Carl. Oh, that's a two-zero. Yeah. Oh, great little, great little film. Yeah, Joseph Cotton. That uh, handkerchief around his neck come from her. She was nervous. About being in her first Japanese movie over in Japan. So mm-hmm. Joseph Cotton took off that uh, headband from around her neck and neckband from around her neck and wore it throughout the whole film. Nice. And this is when uh, Cesar Romero had his second win thanks to Batman. Absolutely. And this is for that actor. The main guy over there got his second wind over here by premiering in an emergency. Nice. 
This is a great little film. Uh, I mean, a really good film. I it's remember just sad seeing that this is a faded out print of it because it's in color. Yeah. But I saw this on uh, uh, on Killer Cedar. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Or at least on one of those Saturday afternoon films. Well, I did because uh, my uh, Friday Night War thing would also have, uh, along with the horror titles I said, it would have uh, the the two uh, Doug McClure, you know, people and oh, yeah. people at time forgotten time and Master of the World, who stars. Uh, that that's Vincent Price, and of course Charles Bronson is in that. Yeah, <laughs> but this is a fun uh, one if you like old oh, school it science it's an fiction blast. It's a blast. Okay, which one is this? Do you know what this is? What? I don't know. That's why I'm saying. This is a first for me, too. I mean, David Carradine, David. What the hell is this? Macho Callahan. Yeah, Macho Callahan, the last of the hard Ryan. David Jansen in a in a western. This is weird. You know, I I think I know like all the seventies movies ever, and I don't. Not even close. Hey! Oh my God! Callahan. I don't think I've ever even heard of this. Yeah, I have. Uh, Lee J. Cobb, uh, Hanson, uh, Carradine. Wow. Well, you still haven't seen, uh, well, I'm surprised you hadn't seen El Condor because it was written by uh, Larry Cohen. Cohen. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no, 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 no. Run away. Run away quickly. We're in the middle of the goddamn jungle, people shooting at us. Why should we give a fuck? <laughs> and this isn't what the movie's about. The movie's about Tommy Kirk is a guy who can't get uh Can't get it up. Who yeah, can't get it up in the morning. And these weird it's- it's just so yeah, bizarre. Yeah, weird vignette and animation. <laughs> I 
this this is really this movie really, is so really bad. Si- yeah, this movie is so sixties and ain't even funny. This is one of the first Playboy Presents movies. Look, we got a caveman in the middle of New York City. Why? Who the f- knows? Isn't that how you can pretty much describe this move, whole movie? Is who the fuck knows? See, Universal Playboy. Yeah, really bad. We can bad. read Roman numerals real quick. We can tell you what year it came out, but we don't give a shit. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Ew, Uncle. it's automatically a bad movie. <laughs> Move. Okay. Not one of his better ones, okay? You mean he had better ones? Yeah, oh, yeah, easily. He's in my favorite movie of all time, okay? Isn't this sort of like a ripoff of uh, Little Murders, only not as cynical? There, there, there is some of that to it. There's also a bit of a, a, a college campus in this too. It's, it's, it's a real mix of shit, and that's why it doesn't work. Yeah, it's one of those. I wish we had the Kramer line for whenever we yeah. got one of these early seventies college campus type type movies. Meh, 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 boop. Uh, but the thing is, Elliot Gould was the counterculture person of the seventies in the U.S. And the counterculture person in the in the U.K. was Malcolm McDowell. I love them both because it, this was an important part of my life growing up in the early seventies and seeing movies like this. <laughs> That's kinky. And some people run away screaming. Eat waffles. This is what I think of most Elliot Gould movies. I I I'm a big Gould fan, as you know. Okay, I make no bones about it. That's not Five. one of his good ones. Oh God. Stepford Wives? Yeah. Stepford Wives. I I, I called it. I fucking called it. No, no, no. Diary of a... Of a mad housewife. Wife, yeah. The only one of the Perry's films that I think is an utter twat waffle bullshit movie. Mm -hmm. No, there's another one. Port Noise Complaint. It's also Perry. When they are in on point, they're great. 
But when they drop the ball, oh my God, Frank Lagella was with with uh, hair. Seriously, having a sex thing. No, no. Their best film no. is The Swimmer. I happen that and uh, isn't they David and Lisa too? Is that them? Yeah. I think. David and Lisa for me. Their most dangerous film is one that almost no one's seen uncut. Last summer. Yeah, last summer. Hey, that's your kind of girl. If it was a girl, Carl, (laughs) you're goddamn right I'm a sadist, and you wouldn't have it any other way. How dare a woman want her own life? Yeah, not... Not one of my favorites by any means. No. Oh, this is one of the best science fiction films of the 70s. Period. Yeah. Colossus of Corbin Project. You know, they never did do the follow-up, but this is really supposed to have been a, a, a trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Even though it doesn't have a ending, it's still fucking brilliant. Well, the ending is, is you don't know what's going to happen. And, yeah. and that was not not uncommon in 70s films. Where they leave it open and well, you have to figure it out. Well, like I said, this was supposed to be a trilogy. But then again, this is one of those that its problem was it was too smart for, its own for good. the room. Yeah. Same with... Uh, Garrett Graham's most uh, best sci-fi film. Oh, which one is that? Demon Seed. Oh, yeah. Demon Seed actually has a lot in common with this. Yeah. And uh, Parts, the Clonus Horror. Oh, yeah, that's another one I love. That's another one that failed because of its goofy-ass title. Yeah, but you know what? Robert Fiveson made lots of money from that because he sued what's his name and won. 
Well, they well they took the idea without telling him, and uh, let's just say he was basically remade the fucking movie. Yeah, and he didn't know that it was a remake. The director, because you know, it was like the only with a fistful of dollars. Right. They didn't inform him that he was uh, basically remaking your Jimbo. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, Colossus, the Colossus, the Colossus Project is, is definite, yes. Hey, this is coming out later this year. No, uh, this this ain't a No, no this is Fast but... Charlie, the Moonbeam Runner. Yeah. This is this is basically uh uh forgettable unfortunately. It's the same as that Sydney GA Fury one that's coming out on the box set. Big Foss and Little Hawsey, only more folksy and friendly. Yeah, yeah. Uh and and, and more comics too. And it took well, it, it, yeah. I, and if uh, Big House wasn't a cocksucker all the way through the movie, right? Yeah, that's tough. She shit. Yeah, this 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 is basically forgettable, unfortunately. <laughs> and when when David Carradine is in an un, uh, forgettable film, that's unusual. And with a kid. Yeah. LQ. Yeah, LQ's great in this, but LQ's always good. Yeah. And I will give my thumbs up to the Sydney J. Fury set because even though I don't like Hit that much, uh, Petra, the Lawyer, uh, Big Faust and Little Housie, The Boys and Company C. Oh, yeah. And by the way, one of Brenda Picaro's few movies that she did in the seventies before she went into TV. Yeah. Oh, another Hell's oh, Angels okay. on Wheels! Yay! Yeah, this was, I think, the first one. Yeah, we did. We did commentary watch on this, didn't we? No. We did a Stone, She Devils on Wheels, oh, and Hell's Angels Forever. Okay, Hell's Angels Forever. Okay, never mind. This one and the Wild Rebels are, you know, they're 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 classics of of of, of it. They really are. Yeah.
Because as you see, this one has the bikers do more of a hippie vibe. Thing, yeah. And, you know. You know, I mean, well, that that period of time he was doing Psych Out and a number of hippie-type films. And so, that, yeah, this definitely has that feel to it. I don't know any Hells Angels that had a Nazi swastika yeah, really. tattooed no. on their arm. Not a bad film. No. Project X, William Castle. I don't know this. How come I don't know this? Do you know this one, Steve? No. This looks like a rip-off of uh, all, uh, the end of Christopher George. This looks like uh, a follow-up to uh, George Powell's The Power. Yeah, it does. And by the way, The Power is a great film. Watch it. Yeah. And what I mean by that is not that it's a sequel, but he was going for creating a series using uh, George Hamilton and the paranormal, you know, sci-fi. It was going to be the X-Files before the X-Files. Right. Or the Norlis tapes. Even before the Norlis tapes. Yeah. Oh, good going, Jarman. Actually, this looks interesting. I would watch this. Yeah, I just love that fact that he tried to run away and just boink ran into the wall. But don't fuck. But don't fuck. Press the Kramer alert. What is this? I don't know. Me, Natalie. I don't know it. Do you know it? No, this looks like a female version of uh, Next Stop. uh, Greenwich Village? Greenwich Village, without the Jewish aspect. They don't like to have it wrapped, Carl. Uh, Well, you know, 
I I understand that. This is definitely one of those about the changing morals and the girls awakening to the world. You know what this reminds me of is, is Wanda by uh, by uh, uh, Barbara Logan. That's what this reminds me of. Hey, it's got what's his name? I see him on a lot of uh, TV stuff. Oh, God, that music is horrid. Hey, that was the kind of romantic music we had in the Yin's had in the late 60s. I know, and, and, and let me tell you something. It was awful back then. Cherish is a word to. that Carl despised. <laughs> These fucking songs made him want to rip his out his ears and eyes. Exactly. Patty Duke, Patty James Duke. Tarantino, Tarantino, Elsa Lancaster, Mel- Martin, Martin Balsam, Balsam. Jones. Good yeah, Lord. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorites. I love this movie. You know what it is? What? The 12 Chairs. This makes the third different trailers. Trailer to this that we've seen. I, 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 I love this movie. I literally love this film. I love this story. I knew this story as a kid. My one grandmother would tell me this story before bedtime, or it usually took like two or three bedtimes. It's a very Russian story, and it's wonderful. And if you think the Russians don't have humor, they generally don't, but in this case they do. And Ron Moody is great. So is Ron Jellis. Dom DeLuise. Oh, DeLuise, one of his best, by far. Wasn't there a play that Topol did? <laughs> no, Topol did not do this one. He was actually considered for this, but he didn't win. He didn't get the part Rod Moody did, and I think Rod Moody is just fabulous in this. The whole story is there's these jewels in these chairs, and, and and the Russian Revolution has happened, and they're trying to get 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 all those jewels so they have all this money. Well, a little bit and of history. Uh, that's how a bunch of Russian and Jewish families smuggled out their valuables during the Nazi occupation. Yep, and, and during the Russian Revolution. Yeah, which is before they the would uh, sew them into chairs and stuff, you know. <laughs> and the funny thing about this movie, as funny as it is, at the end of this movie, you'll basically be crying. Seriously, it's 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 Mel Brooks' most heartfelt film. It's a wonderful film. And and it was not a hit. He had done the producers, and, and, and this one did not hit, but I love it. 
Oh, another one of my favorites. Craster Fortune has a cousin in the Bronx. This one never was a hit over here. It was a cult film. I think it was uh, too odd and too Irish for its own good. And that's true, but it's it, it's a wonderful story. He oh, it caught on uh, as a cult hit. It was. It's rarely talked in the main talk about midnight movies. Yeah. But this was a big hit. This was a hit on the midnight movie scene because he was so anti, you know. Well, the producers and, and, and of course, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, he, he uh, and Start the Revolution Without Me, uh, he really, really was uh, a counterculture person. Well, I was more of an anti-iconoclast in this movie. Because yeah. uh, Margot Kidder plays the counterculture person, and it shows that she's stupider than Quackster. Yeah. And it's actually very heartfelt again. It has This has heart, this movie. Yeah. And it's not what you expect. It really is not what you expect. You're thinking What's of real, like... Yeah. What's in that barrel is what usually Carl talks about, talks a bunch of in his shows. Well, well, let me put it this way. Considering my intestinal fortitude, I get rid of my that every day, usually very early in the morning. So there you go. Yeah, and he, he gets horse shit for, uh, to sell for, for uh, heat and things like that. He yeah, and he has to... Uh, Find a new job when his job is outdated. When they because uh, of cars, yeah, because automobiles, cars, and them. uh... It's a lovely little film. I mean, it literally is a really. It's a delicate little flower. Yeah, very well put. Oh no! Didn't we just do this? It's Polanski. No, no, no. This is a this is a Disney film, isn't it? No. You're a big boy now. This looks really bad. Yeah. This looks really bad. And God, what is Michael Dunn doing in this? 
getting paid. <laughs> yeah, that. I think it's time to push uh, the Kramer alert again. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's like the bat phone, except that it's, uh, I think, blue. Automats. When was the last time you were at an automat? Good God. They actually did a documentary on that uh, last year. I tried to get the filmmaker of that on the show, actually. I was very interested in that. I was actually at an automat twice, both Horn and Hard Arts. Okay. This trailer is going on way too fucking long. A bad trailer will last forever, while a great one will last just nothing. There's just Mm -hmm. too much going on without them really getting into the subject of the movie. But that's a Harry Keitel, Jeline Perdue, Peter Kastner, uh, Rip, Rip Torn, Torn, Michael Dunn, Tony Bill, Tony Bill, Karen, Karen Black. Black, and Julie Harris. No, uh, maybe I should talk to Steve Ackleberry about this. Yeah, this was, uh, that, I think, that fucking uh, Coppola. Yeah, I think this was the first straight Coppola. film he directed. Ugh. I think in uh I think in Kramer Alert again. Oh god, yeah. The ass hopper. Okay. You know who has the best You know who who has the best role in this? Who? Jim Brown. Jim Brown has the best role in this. She goes to uh uh Las Vegas. I saw this on HBO. And that's Jacqueline Bisset. Told See, you. there he is. See, when this you is... put him in a dramatic role, Jim Brown just kicks ass. This actually is not a bad film. It's not great, but it's not bad. Yeah, you know what our favorite sports movie with uh, Jim Brown is, don't you? What? Fat City. Oh, yeah. They should take off the girl because she just seems like an ass hopper. Hops and masks. Well, well, this this is sort of uh, this is sort of like a, an early version of um, oh, what's the one with Elizabeth Berkeley that's set in uh, set in Las Vegas? The really oh, bad God. one. God, this is an early version of that. Yeah. And directed by Gary Harris, who was who actually was. Why did they change it from the passing of evil to the grasshopper? The passing of evil just gives it more of a bite. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I have no clue what this is. Uh, No. 
Oh, is this, uh... Oh, oh WUSA. Yeah, okay, one of you the can... shittiest films by your boy. No, no, this is not my boy. This was directed by Stuart Rosenberg. Oh, well, it's still crap. one of the crappiest movies I didn't about say it radio. It's absolutely crappy, but it's not my well, boy. Well, I was clarifying. <laughs> Putting it in his folder in the record store. <laughs> crappiest radio movie. Pat Hingle is the only good thing about this film. The only good thing about this film. And and one of his worst films. Seriously, one of Paul Warren Newman's worst films. This is not good, kids. And really... At all. Uh... The radio DJs, especially the talk-based DJs, back then had this power. But if you had to give the gab, mm -hmm. you could control anything. Well, you know, this is sort of an early version of Nashville, and it does not work. Nashville does it way better because the politics are, are a big part of this. Yeah, but Nashville, uh, instead of having one focused story, Nashville has has 20 of them. Yeah, I think that WUSA was sort of a ripoff of uh, Nashville. No, it's the other way around. This is earlier than Nashville. This came out in 1970, uh, and Nashville wasn't until 75. Well, Nashville's the one that did it right. That's exactly what oh, I'm saying. Oh, one of the greatest Barry fucking Newman. trailers ever. And by the way, Sydney, uh, uh, and the new set of Sidney J. Fury box set that Daniel Kramer uh, uh, put together. This is a really good film. Even if the movie sucked, Jesus, this fucking trailer. No, the, the movie's actually not bad at all. And it basically no, you don't up... listen to me. I said even if the movie sucked, that is one of the greatest goddamn trailers, trailers ever. Ever. Oh yeah, great. This is the man she loved. I think this might be another Kramer alert, man, man. She married Robert Stack. I would never marry a woman who would wear a shirt like that. <laughs> That's something that your friends. B.B. Anderson, Robert Stack, James Tarantino, Anna Okay, this is this, is this Italian? is a foreign film. Uh, this, yeah, I don't I'm think just it's, wondering because it's, it's got. Yeah. I think it's just French. Well, I think the movie just told us he says this war film. Yes, yes, yes. 
Oh, God damn, you don't have to be so forceful. I was just asking a fucking question. <laughs> Jesus Christ, buddy. I'm going to be forceful now and force you against the tree. What? I thought my grammar was bad. No, seriously. You know, she's she's a wonderful actress, but not so much in English. Swedish actress. Story of a goat. Probably more interesting. <laughs> Let's go visit Universal Studio, City Studios, Stephen. Yeah. We'd have fun. Uh-oh. Oh, ABC, oh, D-A-B-I, ABC film. Oh, okay, God. now this one is actually fucking funny. <laughs> oh, I agree. <laughs> I love the fact that the uh, guy who robs the bank pulls out like a paper going. Yeah, we scheduled. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> this actually is not. It's pretty good. It's it's not my favorite, Alan, but it's in my top five. Yeah, his is set as he made fun of his early funny films were his best. Uh, bananas, take the money and run, sleeper, love and death. Love and Death is my favorite, by far. Yeah. Without a doubt. This may be the only film you'll see Woody act this goofy. Is that how your apartment is, Carl? No, it's a little better than that. A little better. Not well, much, talk, but a little. Talk. <laughs> no smoking in the bed. <laughs> it's cute. Yeah. They don't show my favorite bit in the whole movie is when the guys escape from the chain gang. Yeah. Oh, and it has one of our favorite madman in it. The guy who was the star of uh, uh, World's Greatest Sinner. Oh, yes. Absolutely. 
Oh, speaking of movies that this movie this will never summer? be easy to watch. No, this one is tough. This one is real tough. Do you know who wrote the book that this was based on? No. Evan Hunter. Oh, Evan Hunter. Okay, that's right. You did tell me that. Yeah, and what other book series do we know that Evan Hunter wrote? Oh, Jesus. You're asking me. I can't think. Just tell me. Parker. Oh, yes. This was the second Evan Hunter adaption after uh, Point Blank. You like Point Blank. And you got to admit, John Boy and uh, what's his name, Bruce Davidson are fucking great in this. Oh, hell yeah. And the girl who who was up for Best Supporting Actress, this basically destroyed her career. Yeah. This is such a rough fucking film. This is the scene that's usually cut. This is probably Perry's best film, but I can't watch it. So I have to go yeah. with David and Lisa. Yeah, Kathy Burns. I go Kathy with Burns the swimmer. Is, yeah, and I understand that. Evan Hunter. Well, Pardon me? Jane, don't know what this is. Give points of that one, Carl. Yeah. It's only fifteen dollars in Buffalo. There ain't no Buffalo. I don't okay. know this. this is John G. Abelson, but I don't know it. You know, you know what? Uh, uh, that's um, that's another uh, uh, Dan Kramer. He he loves Abelson before Rocky. Oh, and that's and ta ta take it away, Carl. Oh, this is a great film. This 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 movie is. I saw this uh, at a rep theater before COVID, and it, I love this film. Okay, uh, it's called The Landlord, uh, directed by the same person who did uh, Harold and Maude, and uh, uh, so many other great films. And this was written by Bill Gunn. Bill Gunn gave us the wonderful. Um, 
film, uh, uh Hess, also one of my favorite films, uh, The Angel of Bean. He wrote that also. Uh, this is ju- just a great film. And Diana Sands in this, she is just amazing. And Lee Grant, as the mother, was up for an Academy Award. I That's am Diana shocked Sands, they right? didn't sue the makers of the Joe Pesci remake of this for as blatant as they ripped it off. And by the way, that is, uh, uh, that's, uh, what's his name? Um, I can't stop my Klein. leg. Uh, Robert Klein. Robert Klein. Yeah. Oh, uh, what's her name? The old woman. That's Lee Grant. He was up for an no, Academy Award. No, black for woman. Oh, oh, that's uh, uh, Pearl Bailey. Yeah. That's Pearl Bailey. This is a great film. It is an absolute fantastic movie. What I love about this is that and then how it doesn't really have a happy ending. They don't know. No one's lovey-dovey with each other by the end of it, you know? No. No, it, and, it, and it's marketed as a comedy. It's not really. There yeah, is, there I are love comedy. it. That they could have movies like this, Angel Levine, or they could sugarcoat it. Oh, what is this? I know what this is, and I can't think of it. Uh, Fred Fred Astaire. I've seen this before. He's like that. Grand Something like that. But but uh, Fred Astaire is, is, the, is, is the guy behind it. It's the mastermind. Midas, Midas run. run. That's it. It seems like they couldn't do much wrong with heist movies in the 70s. Ten dollars and a waffle, motherfucker. I think that's Kirk Jurgens, if I'm not mistaken. This is this is a mid tier heist movie. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, not it's, a top it, tier one like Kelly's Heroes uh, or Italian Job. Italian, yeah, the Italian Job or the, the Hot one one. Yeah, yeah, mid level like Eleven Harrow House. And this is more European in style, by the way. Yeah, of course. Ralph, Ralph Richardson. Richardson. I love Ralph Richardson. Cesar Romero. Adolfo Shelley. That's Roddy yeah, McDowell. Roddy McDowell. And that doesn't mean victory, boys and girls. That's all I'm saying. 
Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, this is when Ed Burns, uh, this was like Paramount's attempt to rip off the Beach Party Party series while cashing, oh, I love me some Righteous Brothers. Oh, I agree. But, yeah, Four Seasons. Well, it's a big studio, so of course they can... Well, each of the Beach movies were stacked band-wise. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, they all were. Hondales. Hondales, when you couldn't get the Beach Boys. They're an interesting group, by the way. They went They went very psychedelic after this. Yeah. I think it's funny on the show, it basically showed him smoking weed and all sorts of shit. But when they put him in the movies, they uh, clean, clean, you know, they sanitized him. And let me tell you something. That's a great car. But you know what? It doesn't have Harvey Lembeck. Fuck it. You have to have Harvey Lembeck. No thanks. No, not wrong with having a ball on the beach. Hell's chosen few. Oh, ATP. Yeah. This is, uh, I think, Ted B. Michaels or Al Adamson. I forget. I think it's Adamson, actually. I think it's Adamson. It's one of the two. It's before Adamson made his magnum opus of a biker film. Oh, look at the Nazi. Yeah. Of course, you you always had to have women in bikinis shaking their butts, their booty. And some ugly motherfucker fucking them. Ugly. (laughs) Hey, there's our boy. Yeah. He's in the nursing home right now. Yeah. God bless Gary Kent. Yep. He's still uh, he's still in the hospital, but at least he's, you know, we thought he was gone. He's not gone yet. God bless him. Yeah. Yeah, they're 
they're waiting to build a stunt ramp as big as him. Okay, so. Okay, it ain't pit stop. American Nitro. This okay. This is just a car fest, car porn. This is a legit car porn movie. Because okay. all it's about is just, you know, a documentary about badass muscle cars uh, and all that, you know. Okay. Yeah, drag racing in the funny cars. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna adjust my, I gotta, I gotta keep adjusting my, my uh, volume here. We, we don't have closed captioning, so I apologize. Down the snake, yeah. We never ran these at the, at the drive-in. Never, never did any like like these car documentaries. Well, those are real specialized <laughs> films. Right. There was American Nitro, uh, Dirt. Wow. What's like? You know, I mean, it, it looks like a decent film. If you're into that, like I said, pure car porn. Yeah. But unless you knew who the drivers were and what the cars were without blinking. Is this the Pom Pom Girls? I think it is. See, they're the pom-pom girls. They're Satan's cheerleaders. Or the, just the cheerleaders, too. Okay. Yeah, look, they're trying to sell these guys as teenage... High school football players. <laughs> Shit. That's like if I hired me and you to play someone in our 20s. Yeah, really. And don't change the gray hair or the bald spot, you know. But after the pom-pom girls was a big hit. Good God, the flood of cheerleader movies coming out. Yeah. There was, as we said, the pom-pom girls, the cheerleader. uh, Cheerleader, Satan's party. Yeah, Satan's cheerleaders. That's a canon film. Oh, 
Who is in this movie that just makes it great? Okay, that would be um, um, what's his name? Um, Sergeant Holka. Warren fucking Oates. Thank you. I love that. He's like so and so, and then I'll. Uh... This is a lot of fun. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's have a money fight. <laughs> that doesn't involve us trying to cut. Oh, Claudia Jennings. Well, yeah. Well, this is one of her last films. Johnny Crawford. Oh, yeah. I've got this on uh, my DVD book of hell. It's a good little film. It's yeah. Solid. Johnny Crawford from the fucking, uh... Oh, Oh, This is one of the best films that Tarantino ever put out on his, uh, VHS label. Yeah, Rolling Thunder. And it has one of my favorite lines ever. Which they used in uh, as a background sound in Jackie Brown. The day I follow Carl Kapler out on the wet deck is the day I cut my own throat. Yep. Harry Rhodes and, and, and Alex Rocco is just fucking great in this movie. This is a really good film. Yeah. Solid film. I didn't get to see this until about four or five years ago. Yeah, like a, it was pretty much barely released. If you're down south, you get to see it. And there he is, Alex Rocco, man. That's Harry Rhodes. <laughs> Gritty, tough little movie. Yeah. And very, very downbeat. You know, we need to do that movie one day. We've never done it. Jackie Brown. Oh, yeah. I'd do Jackie Brown in fucking heartbeat. I'm sorry, but when it comes to Tarantino, I'd rather watch films he curated... Or watch film he makes, then listen to him talk about films, or read a yeah. book where he talks about films, because he regurgitates a lot of the same old song and dance info. Mm-hmm. You know. Motherfucker! 
Good car chases, solid action. Yeah, this and you're is one getting of a lot the better heist films. Oh yeah, this is really good. Solid film. Oh, oh God. This is one of the films that he did for uh, Al Adamson. And neither of them are worth a shit. Except for the scene where he fight, and I forget which one. This might be this one. Because he also, Black, yeah, Black Samurai, that's the one where he fights a whole bunch of midgets. Uh, this is, listen, these are not great films, but they are fun. Okay. There ain't no Black you know, Belt Jones. No, I didn't, did I say it was Black Belt Jones? Did I even come uh, close to say that? Uh, no. yeah. Fuck you, this does not oh, have Oh, there's Batman the Club. midget! <laughs> the midget Ah, Pan-Man planes. You don't see those anymore. They've been gone for years. Yeah, we got a warlock. We got midget. We got African warriors. I love this. Never the white anything. I mean, I mean, this is even worse than than a lot of really bad uh, uh, kung fu films from from Sean and that that are badly dubbed. I mean, these are not. Good yeah, kids. but they're not as bad as your new favorite. Which one is that? Godfrey Ho. Oh yes, <laughs> that's true. Not as bad as Godfrey Ho. That's that's very true. Oh, it's Al Adamson. Is that who I've seen? Yeah. Yeah, that's Al Adamson. Sheriff him. This is another chance. uh, He was in like two films. Ron Van Cleef. I want this the uncut version of the trailer with the cursing in it. Are you motherfucker? Yeah, this is the cup version. As you see, he's a great fight. He's a good fighter, but he's a shitty actor. And he ain't no Sonny Chiba. Sorry. And Severin is putting out a a DVD document, post-featuring documentary on the Bruce Lee clones later this year. Oh, nice. Now, Jorge Estrada, he was both good and a good actor. He's no Benny the Jet Rodriguez, but... Yeah. You know, Benny. 
Hey, I mean, he's no, he doesn't seem he seems like he knows what he's doing fighting, man. There's no doubt. You got to have a it just seems like in every one from Thailand, you got to have the Bruce Lee clone. Absolutely. And there were at least four of them I know. Uh, as I say, Lee Lee and Lilo. Mm-hmm. Hey, meathead! Uh, I don't know this. Do you know this at all? I've never even heard of this. What's his name? Who directed Spinal Tap in it, as you've seen? Rob Reiner? Yeah, Rob Reiner. I missed it. I don't see Reiner. And he was always classy. Greg Morris? I think. No, that's the guy who was the bad guy in Cotton Comes to Harlem. As I said, is that Greg Morris? See? There he is. That's that's not that's not Reiner. That yeah, is they, yeah, no, it's Rob Reiner. Uh hold on. Hall's anger, I will I will tell you right now. That's not that's not Reiner. That's Calvin Lockhart. Calvin Lockhart, yeah. Okay, not not Great Morris, that's Calvin Lockhart. Jeff Bridges. That's Jeff Bridges. It's not. That is not. That was, and that's Otis Day, by the way. That's fucking Otis Day. Edward Asner's in that, and you're right. Rob Reiner is in that. I take that back. Yeah. Okay. Never heard of this. Oh, I know this. This is back when that big. Uh, Baja race was like uh, on everybody's tongue. Right. Yeah, Joe, Joe Don Baker is great. Man. Oh, God, yeah. Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Larry Hagman. Parnelli Jones, yeah. What other movie was Parnelli Jones in? I'm not sure. Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, okay. Remember, it's one of uh, the cars that uh, he uh, Mason steals. Parnelli Jones' big... That's right. Yeah, big Ole Bronco. This is sort of like a low-red Stoker ace. You know, Cannonball Run film, and it, hey. it's got a lot. Of, it's got a lot of parts. I it. would say, I would say, Crash 
Stoker H is a low rent crash. Right. Stoker Wade Ace is near fucking unwatchable. Well, what I was thinking of was more cannonball run. Stoker Ace just came out of my mouth first. Yeah. But you're right. This is fun. We're not talking about oh, the greatest yeah. film in the world, but we're talking about fun. And there's Them bars and blew up that good. Alan Vince. Alan Vince. I love Alan Vince. Both him and Jesse. Yeah. They were brothers. That's one of the best uh, watches we did was uh, Making County Line. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It's mostly Davies because I've seen what's his name, uh, Matt Dillon. That's uh, what's his name, uh, Bruno, Bruno Kirby. Kirby. Oh, is this Hollywood Nights? I think so. Dee Dee Khan. This is Hollywood Nights. That's exactly what this is. Ken Wall. Yeah. Do, do, do this like one was actually Kirby. pretty good and above the usual. Yeah, this is actually teenage not bad. ass movie. This also had had a lot of like American graffiti vibes to it too. Yeah. Okay, well, it's not Hollywood Nights. Summer. It's summer. No, that's not Hollywood <laughs> Nights. Not with a not with a black couple. Can't oh, call Jesus. dressed in that outfit. <laughs> Yeah, ever since uh, Thomas Carter, Tim Tim Matheson. Matheson. Yeah, this is definitely. Whoa. Almost Summer by Celebration featuring Mike Love. This must be during the whole period when uh, Brian Wilson was in the sandbox. Yeah, probably. Not really. Yeah, there's no really good films or interesting films coming out this summer so far. Electra. Oh, oh yeah. Carl. Tag. Okay, is it mine? 
Oh, of course. This is a great film. Robert Blake, this is just this is just fucking awesome movie. And also has an ending that blows you away. Such a great film. He's a motorcycle cop in, in, in Arizona. And he's yeah. small compared to everyone else. And yeah, that's an none issue. None of his fellow cops like him. No, nobody likes him. Yeah, this is what you, this is where you see he's a lot smaller. <laughs> what did they show that picture from Easy Rider for? I don't know. Are they trying to give you a hint or something? Yeah, yeah, something like that. But this is very much a a a, uh, uh, a character study. It's more a character study than anything else. It's not, not yeah. an action film. It's a character study. I'm amazed and, and this never caught on did on the midnight circuit because it just seems. Well, well, there are three Robert Blake movies that are worthwhile. This is one, and of course, the one you love, the David Lynch one. Yeah. And then the third one is a, is a film that came out a year after this called Busting, which I love, which he's paired with Ellie Gould. It's the first. It's almost like the first buddy cop movie, maybe with the exception of um, the one with Alan Arkin and James Caan. But this this one is absolutely fantastic. Also directed by William uh, James William Gershio, who was who, it's the only film he ever directed produced. He was known more as a record producer, music producer, and he was the uh, uh, mind behind uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. You made me so very, very happy. happy. I'm so sad that you're into my life. <laughs> but Blake, this is probably Blake's best role. God knows we love Miss Beretta, but, but this is his Like best I role. said, I'm surprised this didn't catch on in the midnight circuit. Yeah. I think because it was about cops. To be honest, and it is it is in many ways pro police. Well, pro good cop. Yeah, pro good cop. Put it that way. Oh. Oh, this one isn't bad. This is good, actually. Yeah. This is not bad. This is fun. I, Coburn, during the 60s and 70s, had a real interesting run. Uh, between being... being uh, uh, Anti-establishment or, you know, really uh, 
against the man, so to speak. Yeah, this is the earliest movie I've seen that deals with the seven bells. Two to seven bells. By the way, that's Michael Saracen. Yeah. You dumbass. Walter Pitchin. This is a lot better than its uh, mirror picture, uh, The Flim Flam Man with George C. Scott. And actually, you know, as I said, Coburn had a real nice run in the 70s. Another film I love of his is The Internescent Project, which came out right after that. Yeah. And he's had a, and he had steady work all through his life. Is this the Buccaneer with uh Yeah, Swashbuckler oh, with uh Water Math album, right? No, that's Pirates. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, James Earl Jones. Oh, it's got what's-his-name play Quint and Jaws. Right, Robert Shaw. Yeah, Robert Shaw. This movie didn't do any good at the box office because pirate movies were definitely out of date. Hey, that's look. Peter. That's Peter Bono. Yeah. Hey, Jeffrey Holder. <laughs> nice. Okay, I would watch this with this cast. I would definitely watch it. I've never seen it, though. I know of it, but I never saw it. I got friends in high places with four dang guns at the old... <laughs> You know, generally I let anyone join my choir. However, I may make yeah. an exception with you. <laughs> but the only really good one I've seen from the 70s to the 90s is the one that not too many people knows and that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean totally ripped the fuck off, and that's Nathan Hayes. Yes, Nathan Hayes is fun. Oh, yeah. This is dedicated oh, to uh, Doc. Destroy all monsters? Is this King Kong versus Godzilla or Destroy all monsters? Yeah, it, King it, Kong. It's either that or, yeah, this is probably King Kong versus Godzilla. Yep. This isn't the one with Doctor Who in it. 
Listen, these 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 are just I love these. I grew up with these. Watch the these hit, on, on yeah, uh, as they call it, the Hefei series. Uh, yeah. Trust me, it's not a thrill of a lifetime, but it's fun. Okay, and that's a bye-bye for the trailers. Okay, fine. Unless you want to do the Robert Altman film. Can we do the Robert Altman film? Okay, go ahead. You take it. Okay. Okay, this is California Split, and it is absolutely fabulous. This is such a great film. Um. Joseph Walsh is in this. Yeah. Um, George Siegel. Yeah. It has the greatest end line ever. Was it all worth it, Carl? No, it's not. Is it all worth it? It don't mean a fucking thing, does it? No. Don't mean a fucking thing. But it is beautiful. This is such a great film. He's got, it's about two guys who are such big losers that they're disappointed when they finally win. Yeah, and it's and it's all about the it's all about being addicted to gambling. And there's there's wonderful actors in this. Burt Ramson is in this uh, as as a uh, crossdresser, by the way. Um, really, really. Good, solid film. Uh, uh, Altman lets them go. And there's a great scene of them uh, um, betting on if they know the seven dwarfs. And it's great. You rarely seen any really good George Segal movies outside of this one. Well, he he did he did a good number in the seventies, but a lot that we didn't like. Like Bloom and Love is a good film, but it's not one of my favorites. There's Burt Remsen in, in Drag, by the way. Yeah, your favorite is uh, the one where it turns out he has a black son. Okay, time to call it a bye bye. And we are now. Done. No, it doesn't matter because that was it. We're just—I was just using this because we could—I we couldn't find the film and doing the AM radio talk. And okay. before we get to the final business, Avidazane Hel Helmet Burger. Yes. You know, particularly his work with Visconti. Um, uh, and, and of course, don't forget Fahrenheit 451, which is Vicky's favorite film of, of his, yeah. I'm sure. But yeah, okay. he just passed away today. Yeah, he just passed away today. Okay. The word is, is what do y'all got going at the one and only Stinky Carl radio show? <laughs> okay, well, that's TV the Legion. Network, and we've got a couple things happening. Uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, Adam Ferenc is going to be doing a panel uh, looking at Futurama, the TV show, and then Miss Rachel, Rachel Elaine, will be there with it. Then we've got a show on uh, Boogie and Blues with TC on on uh, Sunday. 
On Tuesday, Rachel and I will be doing a commentary watch on Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. But on Wednesday, we want you to be with us because um, Patrick Crane is going to be uh, uh, hosting a new show on the network. And it's all about uh, the uh, golden age of porn. And we are going to have on with us Howie Gordon, which uh, we know uh, under another name, Richard Pacheco. And you and I actually did a show with with Howie uh, a number of years back. Get it right. The ghost of Howard Pacheco. Richard Petenko. Yes. And 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 so we're gonna have, have Howie on and, and we do want you there. So you are okay, absolutely invited. I'll think about it. But what we got next week is we're gonna start with a movie and we haven't thought about that yet. I mean debated about that yet. But I hope you enjoyed tonight. And if you're old enough Remember to remember the good old days of just sitting around with your boys or just lying in bed in the dark with the radio playing. Absolutely. We love your AM radio and FM. Absolutely. Yeah, and with that, good night, everybody. Good night. See you Thanks on the other on, side. And well, see you, you're the see co-host because I can't Stephen. find anyone else. <laughs> well, whatever. I'm always available. If, if it's in my time, I'm glad to do it. Always. Yeah. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.